Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Welcome to Exploring Missions. This weekend, uh, we are privileged to know what God's doing on the mission field in discipleship. Sometimes the Great Commission is looked at as making converts when the Great Commission makes its plain, it's making disciples. Is there a difference? There shouldn't be, but there is, and we want to distinguish that today. And our guest is David, and David, welcome to Exploring Missions. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And on Exploring Missions, we talk about around the world and across the street. We've interviewed people that are heads of great agencies, those that are missionaries from those agencies, and people that pack a a, a box for Samaritan's Purse, uh-huh. you know? Mm-hmm. And so missions is involved. As a believer, we're yes. on mission. Amen. Amen. When did it come to you after you were born again? Hey, I'm on mission yeah. for God. Yeah. I think it, sadly, later in adult life, realizing that we are called to actually obey Jesus as Christians, not merely be a convert, but to actually follow him. And uh, in the fellowship, you know, the natural thing is people want to know, what what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And then to understand that Jesus has called us to make disciples of all nations. And that includes wife, our children, our closest people that are around us. When I started reading the Bible, missionally, it changes changed yeah. my whole perspective. I was pastoring, and you're talking about in your adult life. It I realized that as well. Yeah. And when we started making a little shifts, not everybody was comfortable with yeah. make being making disciples and being on mission for God. Have you found that true? Not everybody's Very. that. I mean, not that we're they're lazy. But we're real interested in being comfortable, aren't we? Yeah, very, very interested. And I think that um, definitely people are, are concerned about hearing from men rather than from God. And I was the same way. It was more easy, just like the Israelites told Moses, you go listen. And so, but when we actually listen to God, and we open the word up for ourselves. The Lord begins to lead us through his Holy Spirit by be, being obedient to his word and it is it makes other people uncomfortable, you know. You said later in life, were you married when you realized I was married. This? I was married. I had a couple of children when I began to realize what God had called me to as a husband and as a father. Those that I was ministering to, I was already I was out of seminary, I was counseling, I was teaching, but didn't realize. I think I thought discipleship was teaching. You know, was literally standing behind Going the pulpit. Go into a class with a notebook. Mm-hmm. Isn't that discipleship? Right. I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I had to overcome that. Right. In my denomination, matter of fact, we call it discipleship training. Yeah. And it took place in the Sunday evening I and went afternoon. There. Yeah. Were you part of that? I was part of that, yeah. And uh, I thought, well, this is discipleship. Now, I, I did learn some valuable lessons Absolutely. there. So I don't want to downplay that. But then when I started seeing how Jesus did it, he did it as a lifestyle, didn't he? Right, right. He lived among men, yeah. 
and it, women. It, I'm not sure they took around their notebooks. <laughs> I don't you think know? so. I don't either. I don't well, think so. Uh, so God has called you into missions, and sometimes he calls us at a difficult time to a difficult place, doesn't right. he? Right. How does that work when you, I mean, here you are, a husband, a father to children, and you feel God's call. At first, did you know exactly where? No, no, I didn't. When God, we began to follow the Lord, I mean, God began to um, impress upon our hearts the nations. He just does that, right? Right. That's what and, he says in the book of Revelation, right, especially. Absolutely. And, but at the same time, there's so much need around us. But I would go on short-term mission trips around the world, and every time, my wife included in this, not being there with me, but knowing that every single time I would go with the idea, do we need to be here? Does my family need to be here on the ground? And uh, those are always questions. So it prepared us when the Lord said, this is it. I mean, this is, this is the time. This is the place I want you to go. Early on in a Bible camp, I was part of a group called Bible Memory Association. That's no longer in existence, but they had Bible camps in the summer. If you memorize so many verses, matter of fact, I memorized 96 for three months, January through wow. March, 96 verses for five years. Huh. And uh, when you add that up, that's 496, ver- uh, 92 verses. I forgot exactly. It's right at 500 anyway. But I still read those in their mind. But at that Bible camp, a preacher preached any place, any time, anything. Hmm. Lord, I'm willing. Hmm. I remember signing that, writing it in my Bible and signing it. But honestly, I did not know what it meant. Yeah. Did yeah. you completely know what it meant when you said, Lord, here am I, I'm willing? No, not in the beginning. Absolutely. But again, in the fellowship, God is so good to lead us to lose our life. And sometimes we don't even realize we're losing our life. Sometimes it just gets us to the point where He's just so good. He's such a good shepherd that it gets us to the point that when the time of sacrifice comes, it just doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. And it was like that with our family. It just, God had so shepherded us to a point before we ever left to go that we were just going to another place, doing the same thing we were doing here, we're going to do there. We knew it would cost us. We knew it would be a struggle leaving family and friends. But it just didn't seem like that big of a deal, if that makes sense. Was it a big deal with your parents and your absolutely, in-laws? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I've I've been on the receiving end of that, and uh, it's difficult. So when yeah. we, I, I'll say this: when we're praying for those missionaries that go, mm-hmm. we do pray for their protection. We pray for God to use them. Remember those grandparents absolutely. that are are, yeah. are still here. It's it's tough on us. Yeah, I, I can speak to that. Yeah, and, but God, you can trust Him. That's the bottom line. Yeah. I, I think that's the bottom line of discipleship, David. Yeah. Trust in God mm-hmm. anywhere, Amen. anytime. We're talking to David. Uh, he and his family are serving the Lord in difficult place, and we wanted to share that with you today and talk about difficult places. Jesus. I have a whole sermon on this. Jesus taking his disciples to difficult places. Yeah, yeah. To the storm in the middle of the sea, up to Caesarea Philippi, Mm. you know, where the gates of hell. Yeah. That's what they call that big cavernous cave. 
and legend was that this is where the demons came and went and called it mm. the gates of hell. He took them to there, and that's where he asked them, who do men say that I am? Mm. And uh, from there on, so he takes us to difficult places. He took them through Samaria. He must go through Samaria. Right. I don't know if it was as much about the Samaritan woman as it was the 12 men who were following him. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. tell me about difficult places. What makes it difficult for is, I would say, relationships, the number of believers you have to fellowship with. There's all reasons right. for it to be difficult, isn't there? Right, right. We're in a village where we're the only Westerners, the only white people in the village among Arabs mostly Muslim, a very few Christian, but that only means Christian background. That doesn't mean followers of Christ. And so it's a, it's a difficult place. We left here with a sweet, sweet fellowship, and we went there with no fellowship, with no one but our family. So thank the Lord he's developed and prepared us family worship and different things like that where we together as a family worship together. Had but, y'all been doing that before yes, you went? Yes, yes. And God really developed a pattern about our life that just really kept us abiding as a family, just with him. So if we hadn't had that, I, I just don't think we would have made it uh, over these past a couple of years. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a sweet, we have a lot of people around us that love us that aren't believers or anything like that, but we can't fellowship with them. Not the same it's thing. different, is Yeah, it? yeah. The difference in converts and discipleship your missions, your mission is to make disciples. Right. How's that working? I, I don't know exactly how to ask that, but how, how does it work in difficult places? Well, um, one of the most difficult places is here. <laughs> so <laughs> so if you can do it here, you can do it yeah. there. Thank really? you, David. Uh, That's good. Honestly. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I do, yes. Yeah, to lose one's life in their very place where they've grown up and and in the Bible Belt, per se, and to walk that out as a family here, really by, you know, really listening to the Lord uh, through his word and learning in a day-by-day walk to listen and then respond with him also, and then to learn to live a lifestyle of that, that had to happen in our life first. We had to stop listening to men you know, I, th- I think we as leaders have the opportunity to be able to say, listen to, listen to him. That's, that's our, really our role as leaders and pastors, fathers, whoever you are. And so to go there in this environment, we were praying for just a few. We're going to love on many and sow some seeds to many, but we're praying for just the few disciples. And so our role, how that works out, is the same way it did here. It's just open the word with folks that want to open the word. Not many people want to open the word, but finding those people of peace that we can open the word with. And we can just open a simple passage. You said, how does it work? Just any story in the Bible and say, what does this say about God? What does this story tell us about Jesus? What is, how do you see his heart in this? What is his motives in this? What's his... What's he doing, you know, and just begin to ask questions focused on him and maybe some of the characters in the story. You say, what does it say about them? How does that, what is it, what is it, or or do we look like them sometimes? Do we act like them sometimes? And then is there anything in this passage that we, that you're challenged to? Are you, are you convicted or do you feel like you need to obey something? And we do that with groups of people. My wife has two Bible studies. I have one. That's the only one. 
there's not very many men that want to do that, but there is one man that is leading a group, even as we left, um, for the, for this couple of months, he's continuing it on and that's, that's what he's doing. So discipleship looks like first leading people to listen to the Lord, really listen with him. And we know that faith comes by hearing, hear by the word of God, Mm -hmm. that as they listen, I'm just watching this man that that I'm discipling, getting so excited about the Word of God, and it's leading him to think with God, and, and he's wanting to act. He wants to. Re- he's you know he's he's even said already. You know, you know we need to repent. We as a people need to repent. He's seeing the Word. We need to do this, and he's at that point of wanting to respond now to the Word. What he's seeing. So that's what we're trying to do is is see people. Just to mer- this is an accountant, just to see him come to know the Lord through his word and know that he knows that the word of God is what changes his life and is what's going to change everybody's life. And it's the literal fellowship of that as he follows Jesus, as he sees his words and he follows in that he's going it's going to he's going to lose his trust in whatever, yeah. whatever trust he has. He's going to lose that, tangibly lose it. it's going to be thrown off of him, he's going to fix his eyes on Jesus, and the natural result of that is he's going to affect his family and others around him, his friends. The Word of God is quick and powerful yes. and sharper than to an edged sword. Right. And it's the Word of God whether anyone believes it or not. Right. I, I try to Absolutely. believe that and trust That's that. Right. The Word of God will not return unto him void. Right. And so in missions... It's the Word of God. In discipleship, which is missional, it is the Word of God. Absolutely. In feeding the flock of God in America or a diff- uh, another place, it's still the Word of God. Right. How's it affected your family? Your family, they've gone in their relationships with one another. I, I bet your family, the boys and girls, in your family are close to one another. Absolutely. It, 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 it really has. binds. It it. It binds them together more so, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. You know, the same pattern that we talked about discipleship there, God did in our family to begin with. It was something in our family where we just listened to the Lord together. You know, it becomes something that we do together and respond with Him. We want to live a life together with the Lord. And we can't force our children to listen, or as we say, to drink, but we sure can drink with them. We sure can respond with them. We sure can do that with them. And so that's where we are. And so this difficult place, yes, has bound our our kids. They know they are beginning to take ownership. I mean, our oldest is 15 down, and they're taking ownership for themselves of what it means to be a follower. And, and it's so that it's in itself is growing our family together as they respond to the Lord and really follow him, especially the older ones, you know. This is Exploring Missions, and we're talking to David, missionary and his family in a difficult place. But they were practicing what they were going to do before they got there. When I say practicing, I mean they were doing it. So for that person who says, one of these days I want to be that would you suggest starting now? Absolutely. <laughs> Why wait? I mean, it's it's a journey. It's it's been a hard journey. Every every journey has an adventure. Our adventure started way before we went to the mission field. Our adventure started when we really began to follow follow Jesus, and it's not been an easy 
adventure, but it sure has been an adventure. Recently, I preached a message from 1 Peter chapter 1 where it talks about to the pilgrims that are the dispersia and their faith is going to be tried. But in that first chapter, it's talking about sufferings and glory. Sufferings. He doesn't mention glory without suffering. Right. And do you find this true? Yeah. We want the glory without the right, sacrifice without the, and the suffering. Right. Jesus himself endured the cross. He doesn't say you enjoy everything you do. Right. Some things as a Christian follower of Christ, you endure. You endure, right. Paul, Paul said to Timothy, endure, you yeah. know, as a good soldier of yeah. Jesus Christ. And I think in America, we've presented too light of a case for what it means to be a follower of Christ. Right, right. And that's to have to be overcome. Absolutely. That's why we do Exploring Missions, David, so people can hear people like you, Hmm. who God has done such a wonderful work in, and he started it in you, your wife, and your children. I could not help but think of what Paul said to Timothy. He said, what you've heard of me, you speak to faithful men right. who are able to share with others also. If I, if I count that right, that's four different, you call it four generations if you right. want. Right. And, and so it, it has to start though, right? Right. It's like yeah. a ripple Absolutely. in a pond. Yeah. What, Demi, before, before we go, and we're going to do a little bit of Bible study after this to try to put some emphasis on it. Before we do, would you mind speaking to that man who has realized that there's more to the Christian life than just going to church and coming home. Mm. And God's doing a deep work in their life, and and he's struggling with it. Yeah. Did you, I know you can relate to him. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, kind of tearing up as you I, I paint see that. It. I see it yeah. in you. I saw it when you came here and did our devotional. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it up close and personal in my own family. But that's where true joy comes. We're talking about joy, not necessarily happiness. Isn't that where true joy comes in? Yeah. That longing that you have, God's put that longing in you. He's drawing, he's drawing you. Uh, Again, I tear up because I can remember, I can remember being that person. It was, it's lonely. He's asking you to do things that you may not see being done around you, but you may feel the desire to want to just listen to him, do it. Just listen to him, open the word, listen to him. And like you said, Bert, just, I've always had that, that in my, in my mind as, as the, as the life of surrender is that rock that was thrown into that still watered pond. And it just makes that ripple effect. I mean, just open your life up to him in total surrender. I mean, he's, he is worthy and he is worth it. And that is what he's doing. He's put that desire in you and he's going to meet that desire. If he's put it in there, then he's going to meet that desire. And, and, and so I say, go as a fellow pilgrim, go follow him. David, thank you for being with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I appreciate what the work God's done in your life. And may he repeat it. And many others. Thank you. Thank you. As you've listened to that interview, you've discovered that sometimes God takes us to difficult places. With David, we understand that. And sometimes it involves family members. 
And there's difficulty, and then there's dangerous places. It seemed like Paul, as a missionary by himself, would go into places that was difficult. But Jesus leads us in those difficult places, Nathan. Jesus does, you know, he doesn't say, take up your bed and follow me. He says, take up your cross and follow me. So difficulty is a part of missions. I'd say it's part of the Christian life. It, It is part of life. Some of us, well, none of us have a choice about where we are born and the circumstances around that, where we grow up and things. As an adult, you have a little bit more choice and in say in that matter. And the real danger is doing things only based off of our uh, views of safety and security and not considering where Jesus might send us because we're not guaranteed safety. We're not guaranteed security in the sense of our bodies always being secure. Jesus says not to fear those who can only take the body, but fear the one that can take the body and the soul. Well, I I want to confess I'm guilty when we send off mission teams. Most of the time, safety becomes the issue I pray for first, especially when family members are involved. I, I readily admit that. And the Lord convicted me of that several years ago and says, Bert, that's good to pray for their safety. But more than that, you want to pray for the other S, success. And when I say success, we mean representing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's primary, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we want we want to see faithfulness to, to Jesus, and we want to see fruitfulness that comes out of that faithfulness. Safety, security is a part of things, but it, it's not that we're saying to neglect it and not be wise, but we're saying our view of safety and success doesn't always line up with what Jesus sees. Jesus would go into dangerous, difficult places. He would call his disciples to go. He would model that for them. He would send them out into those kind of places. He even said, you're going to go out like sheep among wolves. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, he, he doesn't like hide that from, from his, his, his followers. He doesn't hide that from us. When we go out on mission, when we live our lives following Jesus, there's going to be uh, some danger involved in that. If we present the gospel, in such a way that say, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll have no more problems. You'll have nothing to worry about. No wonder a lot of the followers fall away. Yeah. Because Jesus says in this world, you're going to have the tribulation. He doesn't say, I'll do away with it. He said, I'll be with you through those difficulties. That's right. And even sometimes with the Apostle Paul, he said, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer. But Jesus himself said in John chapter 4, with his disciples, his apostles, he said, I must go through Samaria. Now, I'm not sure that any other the apostles had ever been there, Nathan, because it was considered anathema. It was considered, no, you know, don't go there. So Jesus took people into places that they didn't really want to go, and I would say even difficult, yes. Yeah, and it's um, some of those places that maybe Jesus calls us to go have to do with maybe less of our physical uh, security and have more to do with our attitude toward people. I think that's definitely the disciples' case when we talk about Samaria. They had some attitude adjustment that needed to take place, if you want to call it racism or if you wanted to just look at it as those people. Most Jewish people considered Samaritans to be like dogs. 
That was kind of culturally the, the attitude. And the disciples kind of shared that attitude, and, and Jesus kind of worked against that and showed them God's love. And do you remember even the time later when they were in a Samaritan village preaching and no one responded to follow Jesus? And I don't know if it was James or John. They said, hey, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire and, and burn up this village? You know? Yeah. And, of course, Jesus stopped them from doing that. Sons of thunder. That's right. Hey, uh Another place that I want to talk about is Caesarea Philippi. This is a place the furthest north uh, that they could go and still be in that area. Even today, I've been there, and it's way up north and close to the you know Jordan border and everything. And no, no, no one, no Jewish boy went there. This is where the the God of Pan and right, it was a pagan, in, pagan yeah, place, pagan. Right? But Jesus took them there. And from there's the first place when he says, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and even die. Yeah. And on the third day rise again. Now, they didn't hear about the rise. And when they heard death, they cut him off from there yeah. on. But he took them there purposefully. Yeah. Isn't that a contrast? He took them to a place where he announced his uh, upcoming suffering and death in Jerusalem. Jerusalem would prove to be the most dangerous place, right? not Caesarea Philippi. So sometimes staying where you are, uh, you, you want to follow God. That's the whole truth, yeah. no matter where it is. Yeah, danger is going to follow you. It's going to, you know, we have the, the illusion of safety and security here in our nice little suburban gated communities or whatever we do to kind of insulate ourselves. Right. But it's waiting for us around the corner. Yeah. And, and so following Jesus... You're not guaranteed that safety, security. You are guaranteed that he will be with you, like you said. That's it. And our interview with David, God just impressed him. He had to go, and it was unexpected. And so sometimes unexpected dangers come on. I'm reminded of of Luke 8, and when Jesus told his disciples to go to the other side of the sea, I'm going to go up, you know, and pray. And uh, they just, they were, most of them, or a lot of them were fishermen. So this was just a regular tour, not a three-hour tour on Gilligan's Island, but (laughs) it was just going out. And in the middle, they get the storm. Now, Jesus knew the storm was there. He knew everything. So sometimes the leisure way turns into difficulty, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's waiting for us. That, That difficulty and that danger is waiting for us. Wouldn't you rather face danger and difficulty doing what it is that God has called you to do in obedience rather than face it alone where you're in disobedience, where you're not being faithful to God's call? Because we're going to face it. And a lot of times, many times, that fruit will come out of that faithfulness in the difficult situation, in the, even in the dangerous situation. Jesus came to him in that difficult situation on the sea. He took him through Samaria. He is with them in uh, Caesarea Philippi, and he came to them on the Sea of Galilee. His presence is sufficient. And uh, when he leads, I really believe we need to follow and seek him. And that's what I found David and his family is refreshing to hear. Wherever you send me, Lord, that's where I'll go. So what a great, great opportunity we had to hear David today and what God is doing in their lives. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and we ask you to be on mission for God across the street or around the world, even in the difficult places. God will guide you and bless you.